Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business podcast, where we talk to interesting people about life and business. We cover their backgrounds, obstacles they've encountered, and find out what drives them. Along the way, our guests share nuggets you can use to drive your success. Reach me directly, D-A-M-O-N at ExitYourWay.us, or check out our website, ExitYourWay.us, for more information. I hope you enjoy our show. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Faces of Business. I'm Damon Pistolke, your host. And if you thought we were going to be on a little while ago, StreamYard wasn't talking nice with LinkedIn, so we had to come back again. So I hope the people are, are going to be able to see this. I know it's it's going to be starting here on my, my profile. I just want to refresh to make sure we're there because if we're not live on LinkedIn, we're going to do this again. But we are live on LinkedIn, so I'm happy about that. With me today, I've got Angela Thurman of Thurman Co. Angela I am so excited to have you here today because we were, we were talking earlier and I got to get my microphone back over here because we were talking earlier and, and, and man, it's just like when I started, when we started talking about your experience, it was just like, this is cool. And then it gets cooler and cooler and cooler. So we got to start. And I know I apologize because you told me about your, your college history and we weren't on live on LinkedIn, but I'd like to start over again because you started out going to college to be a math major and, and then something happened and you want a completely different direction and it's been fantastic. So um, I always thought that I would be a, a math teacher or, you know, math and science teacher at yeah. high school level. And then when I was about 16, a deacon in my church who was the chair of the engineering division in our local college, a very small private school called John Brown University. Um, took me under his wing and gave me a subscription to Woman Engineer magazine and opened my eyes to the potential that maybe I could be an engineer. Um, and that really made a difference. And it was really great to have a mentor like that in my life. So I decided that I would study engineering instead of math and um, become an engineer instead of a teacher. Yeah, yeah. So that really changed the direction yeah. of where I was planning to go to school and what I would study. Yeah, so you ended up getting an electrical engineering degree. Yes. Yeah, well, first yes. in and of itself, the people that understand, that's a hard degree to get, first of all. <laughs> first of yeah. all, it's, 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 yeah, that's no, that's no slacker degree there. and. Uh, and then you went on to do a few other things. Today we're talking about the keys of project manage or keys to project management, which is Angela is a project management master, and you'll see why when we start talking about this a little bit more. Because some of the projects he's managed are, are mind blowing, quite honestly, and uh, it's so cool to have you on today. So when 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 you got out of school for engineering, what were some of the things that you were thinking you were going to going to be doing at that time? Well, it was really kind of funny because, again, Woman Engineer magazine had a full page ad for NASA Lewis, which is now called NASA Glenn, and mm -hmm. it's in Cleveland, Ohio. And again, that particular professor um, in the summer between my junior and senior years, we had gone with a couple of other students to um, Ecuador and worked at a missionary shortwave radio station. Uh -huh. And that was a fantastic experience in and of itself. But coming away from that, the missionaries had a need for a switching power supply. So a switching power supply for the missionary station in Ecuador became my senior design project. So when I saw that full page ad in Woman Engineer Magazine, one of the things that they highlighted was power systems. Wow. So I decided I'm going to apply. I'm going to apply to NASA. And it turns out that they called me for an interview. And ultimately, I went, I interviewed, and they're like, well, how did you apply to Lewis? And I'm like, because there was a full page ad in Woman Engineer Magazine. And uh, so wow. that was kind of funny. 
but yeah. they did they did hire me and they hired me to work on power systems for the space station so my first job out of college was working as basically a project manager as an electrical engineer um designing testing and managing power systems for the space station. And my particular job was the load converter, which is basically a big switching power supply. <laughs> wow. So what so, your senior project was, you were kind of doing it at a different level for the space station. Yes. So because I'd gone with that professor to Ecuador, because I'd met, the, met those missionaries, because they needed a power supply, that, 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 that I ended up at NASA. Wow. Yeah. From, from a math teacher to building power supplies for the space, the space station. It's yeah. a little different path. Yeah. Yeah. And of course I was, you know, I was female and very young and there weren't yeah. very many. This is in the yeah. late 80s. Yeah. Um, and I was monitoring the activities of suppliers like Westinghouse and TRW and male engineers who were significantly my seniors and mm -hmm. had a lot more experience than I did. So, um, so my branch chief sent me to uh, assertion, assertiveness training. Yeah. <laughs> and that was one of the things that, um, I had to learn, but I also had the opportunity because I was at, at the NASA facility in Cleveland, Dr. Harold Kersner taught at the nearby University Baldwin Wallace College. And Dr. Kersner is the leading expert on project management theory, modern, modern project management theory. He's written numerous books. He's one of the founders of the Project Management Institute. And so NASA would bring him in to teach courses on project management. So wow. I got my initial project management training from Dr. Kersner directly. And wow. so I had his book in 1989. I still have it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so that was a really, you know, those are some treasured memories. Yeah. Well, and, and, and when you look back at it too, the beginning of your career, the formative years of the career, and you get to learn from one of the the very best sources of learning and project the management, the master in project management on probably some of the most difficult projects known to man at, at the time. Mm -hmm. and, and well, if nothing else, because of the environments that they have to operate in and all the, you know, you, you can't fail. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. that's the kind of thing. But that's really cool. So you took this and now now you're at NASA, you're making power supplies for the space station. Then you decide to 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 move on and do some other things. So mm -hmm. you you uh, what was what were some of the next things that you were doing? Well, because of some family dynamics that were going on, I left NASA and I moved mm -hmm. back to um, Oklahoma. Yeah. And so I spent some years working in a manufacturing uh, company where we manufactured silicon and germanium which are two materials that have infrared qualities okay. so although they're metal they have um, infrared properties and are used for night vision systems so okay yeah a big metal blank imagine that could be used in the night vision system of a tank or a helicopter or personal devices like a rifle sight or binoculars, mm -hmm. those sorts of things, but they're also semiconductors. So we also had a, another group that grew, um, single crystal germanium and silicon gallium arsenide, indium arsenide in chambers that were single crystal. And that was for the semiconductor industry. So imagine, if you will, a, a single crystal structure that could be six or eight or nine feet long and weigh 400 pounds. And again, it's one single crystal structure. Wow. <clears throat> Pardon me. And so 
it's seven nines pure. So 99.99999% pure yeah. metal. Yeah. So very high quality standards. And that would be used for the semiconductor market. Wow. Wow, that's crazy because they needed the purity to be able to to conduct as quickly and as error-free yes, and, and all that kind of stuff. And to and to to create that um the to get the highest amount of of power generation yeah. off of that chip. Wow. Wow, that's cool. That's cool. So then I mean, then you kind of you kind of I don't know if this is quite the right point in your career, but then you started to do some work in the telecommunications industry, wasn't it? Right, right. So because the manufacturer that I was working for was really a defense manufacturer at the end of the first Gulf War, there wasn't so much need for tanks yep. and helicopters. Yeah. yeah. So we went through a riff and I found myself looking for a job. Yeah. And I parlayed that a network is a network is a network uh, interest to the telecommunications industry. So um, just like an electrical electrical network has sources and seeks and peaks and valleys um, in their demand, so does a telecommunications network. And luckily, the person that was interviewing me understood that, bought it, and hired me. <laughs> yeah. So I became an, uh, an engineer, and a, I did engineering, planning, a whole bunch of different functions uh, for Williams Communications in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay. And I was there for a number of years. And I spent actually quite a long time in the telecommunications industry with various companies. Nice. Nice. So now now let's talk about this a little bit because you just yes. you glossed over this stuff. You glossed over <laughs> this stuff. <laughs> so so you you did, but Let's let's back up a little bit. So yes. in part of this, you got a, a master's degree in telecommunications management, right? Yes, yes, from Oklahoma State University. Yep. And for your capstone project, you did a metropolitan. Now, this is this these words were not put together like this before, but you developed a metropolitan access network, telecommunications, baby, basically a hub that mm -hmm. would be. Of like in your thesis around the city of Atlanta, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm yeah, sorry, tell ahead. us a little bit about that, and then okay. then kind of what happened as as it came to fruition. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, in telecommunications, there is a basic unit of transmission called an optical channel, and that's equivalent to 672 voice channels. So just like I have my my beloved Oh yeah, the old phone like that. Phone. Yep. This yep. is one voice channel. Yeah. So an optical channel can carry 672 individual voice channels. Yeah. So this network around Atlanta that that I planned would carry 48 times that, that okay. much capacity. So a the, the amount of capacity that you would need for a television program, let's say, would need at least one of those optical channels. Okay. And it's best if you have one going in and one going out. Okay. <laughs> um, so you... Um, at that time, Williams had contracts with Turner Field, uh, CNN, the Center for Disease Control. They also owned a satellite um, uplink mm -hmm. uh, station out, yeah. outside the city and numerous other customers within mm -hmm. the city, of course. But those were the big, big ones. So... The cost that the cost to connect all of those really high capacity locations mm -hmm. to the network's point of presence, where you know the 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 brain center in Atlanta for the backbone of the network was really expensive if you had to buy it directly from Bell South. 
Mm -hmm. So the idea was let's purchase it from a, a third party supplier and link these all together and save a lot of money, get additional capacity that will allow us to grow. And that became what was known then as a metropolitan access network. Okay. And so that's what we did. And uh, so I um, designed it, negotiated it, and then eventually um, we built it. And wow. it was, I mean, it's a huge success. So Yeah. So, so this was part of your master's degree in telecommunication management. Yeah. You, yeah. you figured out a way to, to deliver data to these high demand users mm -hmm. uh, easier or, mm -hmm. and less mm -hmm. expensively, um, but, and more efficiently. And then you're actually able because of where you were working to design it, build it and, and see it through the, through the actual uh, realization of it and working for these customers. Mm -hmm. And as you said, to replicate it. And then they re at Williams, they replicated it. Yes. Wow. So, yeah. So, so it's, it's enough though that to me, I'm just, I'm still back on this in Atlanta. So you thought this up, you designed it, you built it. And then, and then people like the CDC and, and Turner Broadcasting and some of the other big users of data were, were running on this stuff. So that's, that's incredible. And then they replicated it. So, that alone, I mean, okay, so let's just back up a second. We were talking about making the power supply for the space station. <laughs> now we're now we're talking about you developed a metropolitan access network with Williams, and then they designed it, built it, put it in place. They replicated it throughout the United States, and uh, and you're still going. You're still going at this stuff because now we talk about something else, and you you were said that. Part of part of what you were as part of your career in this is you've been a subject matter expert on telecommunication, undersea telecommunication too. Cables, yeah. Undersea telecommunication cable. So tell me about that a little bit because I'm just I'm just like this 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 web <laughs> of your career is so interesting because I mean when you start back and just think about this, you're you're in northwestern Arkansas. <laughs> you're influenced by a teacher by them giving you a, a magazine subscription to mm -hmm. go to school for engineering and you went to school and got an electrical engineering degree started mm -hmm. working at nasa because of that magazine mm -hmm. and because you saw the ad in the magazine <laughs> yes. and you are on a on a mission and, and you and you saw the need for a power supply that helped you get that job and then it moved into telecommunications so you you were the metropolitan access then turned into you becoming an undersea telecommunications cable subject matter expert. How the heck do you get to be that? <laughs> well, when you're doing planning, yeah, um, you eventually do find air, a niche area, and one of those things for me was. The, the underseas cables, where were the landing sites, the points? Yeah. Um, and maybe it was Miami and maybe it was San Luis Obispo. Um, but you eventually uh, need to connect. And Williams had a buy-sell agreement with British Telecom. Mm -hmm. And so um, we were buying capacity in Europe and particularly mm -hmm. with, with British Telecom in exchange for selling them capacity in the United States. So, yeah. um, so I was reviewing, you know, contracts at the beginning and then that uh, generated just an interest in the, um, the, the wet landings, the cables and what that network looked like yeah and um and those contracts are a little bit more complicated than the regular um u.s exchange agreements with other fiber optic uh yeah. communications companies so they took they they took a little bit more finesse i think and 
they're more um there there are not as many of them so yeah yeah so you you kind of had to learn where they were and because we had a, 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 a an uplink satellite in um in california Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, okay, how am I going to connect that satellite to the cable sites in San Luis to the SPO? And once we are, you know, how are we going to expand our network beyond our own borders? Yeah. And that's where that came from. <laughs> wow. Wow. This is cool. This is cool though, because I mean, it just, it's such an interesting career path because you've been, you were able to go in, in several different directions. And, mm-hmm. and, and then this, I mean, to, to go beyond this, then you helped, you helped a couple other, um, another one too here that we talked about is when Disney studio moved there, when Disney moved their studio, you helped them do some more work there too, with data and telecommunications. Right. So, um, so we, uh, I planned the network for, um, uh, the relocation to Pico Boulevard. And that was a huge, huge um, event. Yeah. Yeah. And you said now, now that they're using that and that, that same kind of way that that's been done or the system is being used in other places now too. Mm -hmm. Mm Wow. Wow. That's something, that's something. Cause we're, we're, you know, so when you look back and you talk about the project management that work that you're doing today, it's kind of a natural, um, part of doing these big projects. Cause mm-hmm. if you're not managing projects, well, you can't handle something that's global, something that's technical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when I look at some of these, and we we're going to talk about a few more, when you look at some of these, what are some of the things that you really learned that are, you know, one of the fundamental keys of project management? One of the keys is to, understand who who really is uh, your stakeholder you know who's got skin in the game and yeah. who needs to be informed because it, it may surprise you that um, someone is going to be impacted that you didn't realize was you know mm. was going to need to know something and someone may have information, that you're going to need in the future yeah. and you may have overlooked them. Yeah. So definitely identifying your stakeholders is really important and, and that needs to be done upfront and early. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the other, when you think of project management too, you mm-hmm. think of there's like the, you know, and this is me and my lack of project management. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. Even though I did take it in college, but it's I'm not good at it, right? So, you know, you have to think about some of these things. There are the critical path items that you have yes. to get done, you know, and and that, how, I mean, I mean, when you have these huge projects, like how the heck did you manage something like this with all these moving pieces? Was it software? Was it, you know, sticky notes on a huge wall? What, I mean, what, what was it? Well, you know, early on, it was definitely a big schedule on the wall with a lot of sticky notes that were moving. But, um, but I am a fan of good project management tools and I have my favorites. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, your, your critical path can, can definitely move and you can have change that comes in and, uh, can force you to change the critical path. And so you're, your sponsor and and your stakeholder holders may have to realize that due to changes in requirements or availability of resources, the critical path may change and it can improve, but it can get delayed. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when you're doing some of these projects, Mm -hmm. I got to imagine you're just like sitting here someplace and you're about ready to pull your hair out because something happened <laughs> and it's just like, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. I can't believe this is happening. It's just mm-hmm. like the earth just crumbled around me. 
So I don't want you to relive the bad part of it, but let's <laughs> laugh about it a little bit. What are one of these situations that you can share? If you can share some where you go, uh -huh. man, this was a really old gal. I'm just going to have to sit and think a while about this moment. Oh, one of them. This was in, 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 in the aerospace industry when you, our team needed to perform a particular reliability test. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. At, yeah. At, and it had to be performed at an outside lab. So first yeah. of all, we had to, and this was with a third party, by the way, mm -hmm. um, we had to um, find a lab that was capable of performing the test, book the lab. So there was a cost involved and then conduct the, the test, which took, let's say three weeks. And then, wow. then um, everything, you know, the results came in and we're ready to proceed. And I asked the third party, I said, did you make sure that the customer had signed off on the test plan before you conducted the test? And there was this, oh, were they supposed to? Oh. And I'm like, read the requirements on the contract. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The customer had to sign off on the test plan before it was performed. <laughs> and um, so we had to go back and get a, get a, a letter from the yeah. customer that said, yes, I approve the test plan and then go do it all again. <laughs> oh, my goodness. My goodness. Yeah, because, hey, you know, we talked about the telecommunications, but you were at Collins Aerospace and you were doing uh, a work, a project management work in the aerospace industry as well, correct? Yes, for over 10 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What were some of the things you liked about that? I liked that um, the work I was doing would directly impact the the end product and yeah. the the. Uh, customer results because I was working on complex products that would be delivered to customers like Boeing and Airbus and Bombardier. Mm -hmm. And so those went into aircraft that real people flew on every day. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, maybe you didn't see those products, but they did have an impact on your satisfaction um, in your flight mm -hmm. because nobody likes to be sitting at a gate and hearing that announcement you know we're sorry passengers but you know we're going to be delayed because there's yeah. a maintenance issue on the aircraft yeah so yeah. I, I like to think about that that if, yeah. if the products that i was helping to deliver every day were of a very high quality that ultimately I was helping passengers get to their destination, you know, yep. the way they needed to. And, yeah. And safely. And, and safely. safely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool because it, it is, I mean, when you look at project management, people think of, you know, this project, that project, but when you look at something like the, the early in your career, the space station or in the aerospace project management encompasses from the time you design the product mm -hmm. and the time until it's no longer in use anymore. Yes. So tell a little bit, tell me a little bit about that. I know, is it Stephen Liu? I believe his last name is on LinkedIn. He talks that he's an end of life yes. project Per engineer mm -hmm. at Northrop Grumman, I believe, isn't it? Or Lockheed yes. Martin? Yeah. I can't yeah. remember. I, I'm sorry, Stephen. I, I forget. But <laughs> but it's it's interesting because this the, the the project management is like it's it's not just a little bit. It's there's a lot to this. Right. So obsolescence management is in and of itself an entire category of yeah. project management because yeah. you have to think about if this resistor capacitor you know chip is no longer available what are we going to substitute so that the entire design is not obsolete and 
what does that do to, so all of the documentation, think of the bomb, something just as simple as the bomb yeah. has to be updated. And how does that flow down to all of the other documentation, the ERP system and everything else? Because in aerospace, if you change one component, the entire product has to be retested. Yeah. And and in most cases, recertified to convince the FAA, if it's a commercial aircraft, mm -hmm. that it is still um, safe. Um, for example, let's say that you change from a resistor that is ceramic to a resistor that's now plastic. Well, does that plastic... Um, um, fabrication have a different melting point? Mm -hmm. Will this cause toxicity uh, concerns in the in the the device because the the device is going to heat up? Yeah, yeah. Um, and what if it causes smoke in the cabin and or some sort of fumes that are going to asphyxiate the pilots? Yeah, all because you change from ceramic to plastic yeah it's 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 crazy when you think about that and it is he uh, i was just looking up steven's profile because i felt bad because i've i've i, I interviewed <laughs> steven a, a, i think it's been over a year ago now but he's a super nice guy he and is, yeah yes. and uh he worked for lockheed martin and now he's at applied materials but yeah the so the the project management though the the keys to it you mentioned the first one is understand your keys mm -hmm key stakeholders and, mm -hmm. and make sure you're communicating with them. Mm -hmm. But as you're going through these projects, what, mm -hmm. what was your kind of routine? I mean, do you, did you like to have a, a cadence where, Hey, we're going to do this kind of meeting every day, this kind of meeting once a week, this kind of meeting once a month. How, how what was it? I mean, so we're talking about projects yeah. that lasted maybe a year. Oh, easily a year. Easily yeah. Yeah. A year. Yeah. Okay. Um, so unless I'm working on a software project that is an agile um, framework, yep. I don't have a, a daily stand-up. Yep. Um, otherwise, the team just gets sick of me. Um, yeah. So usually for, for most of my projects, a weekly cadence was was adequate. Mm -hmm. um, because that gave the time, that gave the team time to actually get some work performed yep. before they had to um, report, on report, it. report yeah. on it. Yeah. yeah. But I... I am a big fan of the action item register <laughs> and the risk register. So let's and, explain those so people that, that people don't understand them. So an action item register is where you actually capture all of the tasks or action items that need to be done. The due date of when do we expect this to be done and who's responsible for the action. So who has the X on their forehead? to yeah. do this thing that needs to be done. Yeah. Okay. And you and said that the risk then yeah. too, you said that's the action, action item. Mm -hmm. What, how did you describe it? The action I, item? I call it an action item register. Action item register. Yeah. Just okay. a very simple document. Mm -hmm. it, it, however you want to capture it. I use a spreadsheet because that's, I think in spreadsheets. Okay. But okay. a risk register is where you simply identify what is the potential, you know, what is the risk? Um, what is its probability of occurring? What is its impact if it does occur? And what yeah. steps are we taking to mitigate that risk to ensure that we're protecting ourselves? Wow, that's cool. That's cool. This is this is this is some gold right here because I'm I'm writing it down because the the um it's so important to understand those risks because it could be a huge risk, but if the if it's infinitesimal uh, chance of it happening, right? Well, then you you, you want to give it appropriate consideration, right? But right. if it's if it's kind of just a, a pain in the behind risk or pain in behind impact, impact. but it happens e at impact, but it has e happens easily and it's going to happen over and over and over. You want to get rid of that one. You don't, right, right. don't a lot of time to get over it. So the I like the risk register and how you you quantify how much 
how we should really uh, spend our time on the right mm -hmm. things to make the biggest impact. Impact and probability. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. I, I'm, I'm writing some notes here. <laughs> Because it, it, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. So if people aren't listening to this, they, and because project management, it really is, it's a lot of, um, from your perspective, it's a, it's a lot of, yes, you can put the science and the numbers to it, but a lot of it is you have to be intimately involved in it and really feel it and understand how it's going. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what are, what are some of the things that you really have found over the years that make it they make it easier to manage these projects other than the tools, other than just other than, mm -hmm. relationships. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Definitely developing the relationships and um, letting the team know that you need them, but they need you because, yeah. because again, the project manager normally is someone who doesn't have, um, direct authority. Mm -hmm. So I'm not someone that is going to hold the title of, you know, man, you know, director of this and that or whatever. So you have that, um, you have to get your authority by virtue of the fact that the team trusts you. Uh huh. That's so a huge thing. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think you probably just uncovered one of the toughest thing for project managers and probably one of the best things that a project manager should understand early is that you said it really well there, Angela, because you're probably not their boss. You probably can't really direct their actions by, you know, by uh, authority, but they should uh, they should understand that how they integrate in the success of the your relationship should be with them so that you can help them understand how they're going to be important in, in making sure this project is successful and, and the good and, and the, and consequently the bad implications if mm -hmm. they aren't. Mm -hmm. And yeah. something like that can be, you know, just getting people to show up to meetings. Yeah. Um, and, and having those critical conversations, if, if someone is not showing up to the meeting, is it because you generally are so overwhelmed, you just don't have time for yet another cadence meeting. So, is there someone else who be who should be reassigned to support the project or do we need to move the time of the meeting so yeah. that it better fits your schedule you know what can we do to help make the project and the team successful in the end yeah that's that's so important and you you just said you you, you said so much in there because <laughs> Well, because a lot of it, think because I, I'm thinking of myself. I'm a technical guy, right? I'm, I'm a technical. But you said some human things that are really important to think about their perspective. Are they too busy to come? Are is it the wrong time? Is it that we need more resources? Those kind of things. And it's it's easy to say, hey, you need to show up for this meeting. It's at it's at blah blah blah, and do that, but. Those other things are probably really the underlying root cause of the, the reason why they're not able to attend the meeting and and really helping address the root cause is the way to solve the problem and, and build the relationships that will get you uh, get projects done on time. Mm -hmm. And a lot is. of the, I've learned a lot of those lessons because I've been doing it wrong. <laughs> well, that's awesome because that, I don't know how many times I hear that from people that are really good at something like yourself. And, and we go, we're, we're only good because we screwed up a lot. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, you know, this is, this is okay. Okay. I'm just, I'm, I'm getting into, into talking project <laughs> management here because it, this is good stuff because, I mean, you talked about the relationships and and brought up the the fact that you're probably not in a direct authority position and you really have to build the relationships and 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 communicate the the how everyone working together is really how the project successful projects get get done and get done on time but you were you were back you said something a little while ago about agile because oh, yes i really want to i really want to understand <laughs> your thought because i I'm, I'm i'm exposed to agile once in a while uh -huh. And, you know, it's not the traditional project management. So mm -hmm. have you worked with Agile? 
I'm much? working with it right now. Yeah. Okay. So you're helping software development happen. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the things that you see that traditional project management and agile are like, they're button heads on it, but there's yes. some things that, that are similar, work together. And what do you really think about agile overall? So first of all, let me just put a caveat in here. So <laughs> too many people, in, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, there you go. Too many people are confusing agile with a capital A and agile with a lowercase a. So they're using a lot of lingo and jargon, mm -hmm. yep. not understanding what Agile with a capital A is. So they're saying, we need to use Agile. We need to be, you know, we need to use Agile project management because they think it sounds cool and like it's the new thing. And it does not mean nimble or new. <laughs> okay. This it's, is good. It's very specific and if you don't know what agile is i highly recommend that you google agile manifesto okay and that should be your first step to understanding what agile is or agile project management okay so first of all agile project management was originally and is primarily intended for software development yes. yep now it can be used for other types of project management but the key thing about agile project management is that it is iterative so you don't start with all of your requirements and a schedule mm -hmm. you do not start understanding what your scope of work is which for someone like me who has done a lot of traditional waterfall project yeah. management, the thought of beginning a project and not understanding what my scope is, is frightening. <laughs> so yeah. to say that we're going to do a little bit of work and give that to the customer and see what they say and then come back and do a little bit of more work and see what they say then and repeat this every two weeks does not intuitively sound like it's going to lead to success but it actually does okay because when you particularly in software you may not exactly know what your end goal is and software development is particularly risky for yeah. changes. So you might start down a path and then someone says, but what if we did this? And then you're start back again. And yeah. And a lot of the work you've already done may have been wasted. Mm -hmm. And that's why an iterative method is so beneficial. Yeah, I can see how that really helps in <laughs> software development because, you know, developing an application, if you just if you just said, oh, I'm going to go out and develop a Microsoft Excel application. Mm -hmm. OK, you know, you start with one function and then you work up to the other functions after, you know, addition and subtraction, basically, and, uh -huh. and kind of see what what are the next ones you want or next features that people are asking for. It'd be nice if it did this. This is something critical that's missing. Mm -hmm. Rather than going out and trying to define in the box what it looks like and spending all that time to get there to go, people go, here, is these th here are these three to five critical things and they weren't in your box. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Whereas if I'm building a house, there are some real physical constraints. It can, mm -hmm. it, it's going to be one story and it's going to have three bedrooms and two bathrooms. And so I know I'm going to need a, a kitchen sink and, and, you know, 10 windows. And yeah. now there can be some changes. I can, I can say, well, I'm going to want quartz countertops instead of granite, or mm -hmm. I'm going to paint the walls 
gray instead of white. You know, there can be changes, but it's not going to have the catastrophic implications that you would see in the change, the, the same type of changes with software. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is just, this is, this is good stuff here, Angela, because, <laughs> because, so. because it, well, it, it is when, when you're trying to think about, and there's a lot of people that, that are out developing software. There's a lot of people that I've heard about. There's a lot of people that develop software like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and I think there's still people though, too, that develop software, the traditional project management way where they, that this is what we're going to make. This is what it's going to look like and go off mm -hmm. and build it as well. But I, I really see the differences. Now, when you're, when you're in these, and you've done a few of these, uh, the agile type iterative project mm -hmm. management, what do you like better? I am at my heart still a waterfall gal. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, I like being able to track, you know, to tick the boxes as the requirements are yeah. met and yeah. to have that traceability and, yeah. and agile doesn't have an action item register. Agile Agile uses um, a task board and you track your user stories one at a time as they go through, but you generate new user stories with every sprint. So, yeah. Yep. 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 It's so it's, good. It's with agile. It's much, much harder to define when you're done. Yeah, because there's there there's always an end. You you would think there's an endpoint there, but it could be continuing, yes. in, indefinitely. Yes, Ag with agile, you're you're done when your money's done. There you go. <laughs> you're done when your money's done. That's yes. that's. A, <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Well, Angela, it's 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 been awesome talking to you. You know, we used to sit here thought about if I almost 50 minutes now and we're talking oh about project management because because it is so interesting you've got such an interesting career and now now you're helping people as as a project manager you've got a team you're helping people manage these complex projects mm -hmm. so what what have you really learned in the, in the last however long you've been doing this for people uh helping manage many different projects um First of all, there, there is, I think, a great need for project management consultants because so many companies could, um, could benefit from having a, a project manager that comes in and helps out with the project. Mm -hmm. Again, only for a short time. And, and as a project manager, we realize that because a project is time boxed and yeah. Um, we're not expecting to come on and be a part of your company for, you know, an eternity, yeah. forever. Um, but a lot of small to medium-sized companies don't have this expertise in-house and yeah. don't realize they could have if if they would reach out to a consultant. Mm -hmm. um, and bringing in a professional who does have expertise in this area could really ramp up their ability to identify and finish um, a project. Mm -hmm. And it could be any number of things. It could be a small thing like mapping out their processes and identifying areas of improvement um, it, either in, in their management office management type of things or in their factories mm -hmm. or it could be a big thing like onboarding a new supplier um leaning out their factory themselves or moving a factory um that's that's a big big project and would really require some expertise hmm. so yeah, that's um, cool. I think about it. I, I say, hmm, because of me, I, I've been hired a few times to build factories and I'm like, uh -huh. I, I've, I've done a lot, but I'm really probably not that I don't, I don't consider myself an expert. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like you said, after you screwed up enough of it, many times doing it. Uh, 
but but that that is that is really something to consider though because there are there are a myriad of projects that exactly happen. like exactly. i said you know my experience is even in bigger companies they're going to build a factory it's not i'm not even talking huge like like yeah. big big factory. i mean it's talking you know hundred thousand square feet mm-hmm. when you start to think about the details that it needs from walking into and i'm not talking greenfield because i've done greenfield too but yeah when you when you when you just go hey we're 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 going to open another little bit of manufacturing over here and we got a hundred thousand square foot building and, and it's an empty shell mm-hmm. just with the the permitting mm-hmm. the build out only if the stuff you're building out even if it's not your building when you think about okay what are we got to do with electrical and and hvac and what kind of people stuff we got what are the it requirements we got where are the fire extinguishers yeah go? yeah yeah down to that down to that i mean you just talk about are this the, are the aisles going to be wide enough to allow a gurney to get through in the case of an emergency yep all that good stuff that you got to do when you're when you're doing these these different projects but you're right that the 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 key resources are busy doing the tasks that, that need to be done in a business mm-hmm. and that project manager can come in for the for the scope of that project or the term of that project and really help them execute that efficiently without having detrimental effects on the rest of their business exactly and exactly. that's that's very valuable because oftentimes you'll have people that a probably aren't normally managing projects or b not normally doing those kind of things, trying to do, do uh, project work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's a great point. So what, uh, one thing, if you could tell one aspiring project <laughs> manager, just, just tell these expiring, aspiring project managers, one thing, what would you tell them? Join PMI because it's a very small investment, but you will, number one, have a network of mm. other project managers that you can rely on and lean on to obtain knowledge and training, uh, to be a mentor, and you'll have access to all kinds of knowledge and information, including the product, the project management body of knowledge and the Agile um, program guide. Um, but you'll have, um, access uh, to events and where you can meet people, interesting people uh, who can help you grow in your project management journey. Yeah. And that's the project management Institute. Yes. Project management Institute. Okay. Just wanted to make sure that we knew that. Well, Angela, it's been awesome talking to you and I just, I just, the, I'm just floored at, <laughs> at the cool projects and stuff. I mean, I just, I'm thinking back through it. It's so neat to talk to you about them. And then, it, but, but through this, and I want to be serious about this part of it, you've managed some very technical, global, uh, high complexity in tough situations, no fail uh, options kind of projects. And, and I think that's, that's awesome. And that goes to goes, I think, and it speaks volumes about the help that you can do with companies today in, in their projects that they need done. Well, thank you. I hope yeah. so. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to helping more people. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm, we're going to sign off here on the Faces of Business again. Angela Thurman with us today talking about the keys to project management. And man, she just blew it out of the park. I'm so thankful <laughs> for you being here today, Angela. Thank you, Damon. All right. Well, we're gone for now and it is Thursday. So we'll be back next Tuesday. Have a great weekend, everyone. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm.